Hi, my name is Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Thank you for listening. Now, today, I would like to think with you about the incredible people that we meet along our journeys into becoming qualified psychologists and beyond. You know, when I think back um, and reflect on this, it feels so lovely to have been able to keep people in my world um, either in my head or in real terms as well. And this idea came to me this morning as um, my brain keeps waking me up at 5.59am. I don't know why. This morning I woke up assuming that it was 5.59 and it was in fact 5.45 and my brain was excited excited and it was busy planning out this episode that just occurred to it. And I was like, seriously brain, can we not do this? you know, from 7am, we can be excited then, that's okay. And I'd not long got back to sleep again. Um, often I just get up at six, but I was, I was like, I'm not getting up at 5.45, not one it isn't for a child. Um, so I just kind of laid there and planned this episode in my head. Um, and then eventually I managed to get back to sleep again. And I was woken up just before seven with my husband doing some ballerina legs. <laughs> don't know what he was doing he's not a ballerina either and I I crept my leg over to try and like gently sort of (laughs) softly contact him in a way that's not a kick um to just try and quell those ballerina legs um but he was so far over the other side of the bed I don't know what he was doing so I couldn't even reach him really Uh, and we've only got a double bed so (laughs) some skill um and then like when he got up I said what were you doing it was like you were doing ballet which the kids found hilarious he's like oh I did have some wild dreams really wild as I was having them I was thinking all this is weird and then the kids started talking so I never got to find out what those weird twiddly legs um were all about but yeah I thought what a nice way to help you develop your skills in reflection you know perhaps this can be the sort of thing that you write in a reflective journal perhaps it might be you know the practice of gratitude um um, I think we have to be a bit careful with the practice of gratitude that we don't you know make ourselves feel grateful you know for I don't know having air when the rest of a situation is really toxic but gratitude can be a really useful thing to do um when things are generally 
going reasonably well because I don't want to gaslight ourselves by, you know, doing false positives by telling yourself that, oh, you know, at least at least I've got a pair of shoes without a hole in, even though I'm being bullied by my supervisor and, you know, it's all awful. Um, so, yeah, let's not gaslight ourselves um, with gratitude, but let's use it in a way that enriches and enhances ourselves. So I thought I'd talk to you about some of the incredible people that I've met along the way and why they've resonated with me. Um, I haven't got any consent to share names, and so I'm going to do so in a way that is anonymous so that they will know who they are. Um, but um, yeah, hopefully not sharing too much data. So um, I first, um, when I first started working for local government, um, when I lived in Milton Keynes, I had a supervisor um, in that role um, and she was really key to me in helping me develop my reflection, develop my containment. Um, and she was my first ever supervision session. It all felt quite weird to begin with. It felt a bit like, well, this is odd. What's the point in this? I don't get it. It feels a bit intrusive. I don't know if I like it. It feels a bit weird having this space held for me every week. It makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Not really used to having space held for me and people wanting to know my opinion and thinking about safeguarding and documenting things and taking supervision notes. Um, but working under her expert care, she was the first to um, be really meticulous about written communication and that's something that stayed with me. I love letters and they're so important so she was the first to be um, really meticulous about um, about written communication and making sure we were sending you know good letters really um, and so yeah I have kept her in my life. I spoke to her as recently as a couple of months ago on the phone. Um, so I was with her for about two years um, and it was a non a non psychology role. But I learned so many useful things from that role, you know, being part of an MDT, you know, working with clients who um, had physical health disabilities. Um, it was an incredible role as well as you know, really connecting, I hope in a lifelong way, um, to this incredible woman. Um, yeah, it's been kind of been like being remothered a little bit, you know. Um, and I know she's, well, she tells me she's very fond of me. Fond is a word I absolutely attribute to her. Um, and yeah, she's really proud of me and that really matters, you know. So the people we meet at the early stages of our career might well see things and see potential within us um, that we maybe don't see ourselves. So she obviously could see that I had this psychology degree and had this um, desire to go off and, you know, pursue it. So, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? Because she didn't want to let me go because she loved what I did and liked her, like being, um, you know, my supervisor, but also, you know, had to let me go um, with with goodwill and grace and wishing me well in the world, even though I know that she would have missed me when I left. Um, but yeah, we've stayed in contact and, you know, she's really lovely. So really think about, you know, what other supervisory relationships you might have had and why they've been, you know, useful to you and how you can take that forward into your other supervision relationships as well. The next um, important pivotal 
uh, milestone was my first assistant psychologist supervisor um, within a large psychiatric hospital. Um, I just, oh, I just really loved every supervision session. Um, I loved time in her office. Um, I loved your boots. Um, you had fabulous boots before I met you, but your boots became even more fabulous with uh, with me in your world because I gave you access to really great boots. <laughs> <laughs> and you will know why that is and everyone else will be like how were you the provider of great boots Marianne but um yeah it, you know I didn't feel like just part of the cogs and part of the machinery and you know I know it's very difficult um when we're supporting aspiring psychologists um when there can be a reasonably high turnover of staff within trusts and divisions and hospitals um because it can just feel a bit like yeah like cogs you know like that working through and I was never made to feel that way I was made to feel like a valued part of the team um that makes me think about um the penguins of Madagascar <laughs> and if you've watched that film you'll know what I mean it's very good you should watch it um yeah really valued part of the team and the community and you know they really liked having me there they really valued my work um and you know, I learned so much about working in forensic services and having fun as well. <laughs> My supervisor was really fun um, and just starting to bring in some more, you know, personal self into supervision and starting to really think about developing explicitly my skills um, as an aspiring clinical psychologist and you know it's such invaluable experience but um yeah I did bump into her at some training um, a couple of years ago now it's so nice to see her and we are we are still connected um via Facebook but we have busy lives you know busy lives um but yeah sending sending her so much love and the next is my first um supervisor as a trainee clinical psychologist and it felt like such an important period um, and we got on really well even though to begin with <laughs> I just was so intimidated by her because she was a proper grown-up and um, she kind of was uh, schooled in dynamic ways of thinking but um, I know um, after that time did um, broaden out to compassion and things like that but um, you know just a wonderful soul and I really valued every second I spent with her um, and so I just wanted to give her a special mention and to know that everything I do in sessions and everything you know I feel really grateful that you've been part of that and helped shape this experience. The next is um, the member of staff who was my personal tutor um, during the course and I don't know why. And he also ended up being the internal invigilator, uh, the internal examiner in uh, my Viva. But I don't think that was because he was my personal tutor. Um, but my Viva was a bit ouchy, actually. Um, the external um, examiner was not my biggest fan. Um, the first section on the introduction went really well. He really enjoyed that section really enjoyed section three as well he did not like section two he did not like the way that I'd done my grounded theory um and it led to a very difficult viva 
Um, and yeah, I just felt ripped to shreds and was really disheartened. And um, just the support from my personal tutor um, in that session was invaluable. Um, and knowing that he was there and then in the time after that as well, he said, oh, he'd actually said if, you, if you'd cried during that, he would have wanted to fail you. And I was like, oh, that feels a bit ouchy. Um, how I didn't cry, I don't know. I just held it together and got through it got it done and did actually pass with only minor mods in the end as well. Um, but yeah, I feel really grateful when I reflect on that time. And when I think of him, um, I just really, I think I was really pleased that he knew me and we'd, you know, developed that relationship during, um, during the training and grown with each other as well during the training. And so it felt really nice that he had my back and he knew me and he knew that I was competent and capable. So, um, yeah, he has a special mention. Uh, my first ever qualified supervisor, um, you know, I just think so fondly of the time that we spent together going from, um, you know, newly qualified, getting to grips with working five days a week and driving a long commute, you know, that's a big do. It's a big ask. Um, and, you know, just, yeah, coming into the world of being qualified and taking ownership and doing leadership and having clinical accountability and responsibility. She really helped empower me to do those things, um, to do them with grace and, you know, aplomb. And then she took me through imp other important milestones as well. I got married during that um time at my at that role I became pregnant and had my baby my first baby in that role and it was a really important nurturing experience actually those supervision sessions and holding that space in a way that was wonderfully nourishing and healing and validating and really helped me navigate such important milestones in my life and I think very fondly to that time and when I left that service it was I was absolutely gutted to leave that supervisory relationship but um, as I understand it after I did leave um, there were changes within her role and in the service anyway and so it might be that it came to an end so you know sometimes it's better to be in control of when things end rather than feel like it's better to be the lever not the left isn't it <laughs> I always think um, and what you'll learn in your career you know when you've been supporting aspiring psychologists is that they leave and then you miss them the same was true with my first supervisor ever on training I know she missed me because she messaged me to tell me you know? um, and you just don't realize how special you are and you know why people resonate with you in the way they do and I think we can get used to so just thinking that we there's nothing special about us we are just part of that treadmill you know we're just another another cog in the wheel you know um, but we are all unique we've got our own special unique gifts and talents um, and it's lovely when others see those and really value having you in their world and in their service so um, yeah you will as you go through your career you will know more and more what it's like to be left um, and it's like just like you know I know when um, when Sarah won't mind me saying but Sarah was in our team um, when she was a trainee psychologist and when she left I was like oh I really miss her. And similarly, when um, when my honorary assistants moved on, I was like, oh, I miss them. 
it's not the same without them. Um, how did I do this without them, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's been really nice having, you know, relationships with with um, trainees and assistants throughout my career. And it's something that I get to continue as well um, in my work in supporting um, you lovely people. And then my first um, 8A supervisor, um, our experiences um, in helping me assimilate to life as a parent of two and in, you know, processing the grief around my um loss of my father even before he died you know we worked through some of that grief stuff and it was really powerful and really important and you know what you're hearing within all of these accounts is lots of personal stuff cropping up in supervision and in order to have a really functional relationship with your supervisor that was my ankle I've got a very cracky ankle um keep needing to go to the chiropractor um yeah the you kind of have to be vulnerable and bring yourself to supervision as well as your cases um and that is how i think you'll get the most of what you are doing within psychology and at this point let's take a short break shall we and i'll be back along very soon I'm Jo and I work as an assistant practitioner in a CAM service in Lancashire. I bought and read Marianne's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, to accompany me while completing the clinical psychology training application. It proved to be really good company. I found it sparked ideas of how to build experience and skills, but more than that, it offered the chance to get lost in people's stories. It provided a timely reminder not to get so caught up in an end goal and to value and enjoy each job we fulfill along the way. Because the work we do now is important and matters to those we sit alongside, as well as ourselves. It also gave the reassurance that there are eclectic routes into clinical psychology, which is important for me as someone who's had a meandering journey and not a typical route to the profession. I wholeheartedly recommend the book for both personal and professional reasons. Be prepared to put evening tasks on hold for a while though, because once you've started reading, it's tough to put it down.
So thank you for listening. Hope you found that um, catchy. Um, so yeah, um, as I was saying, um, that within my first ATA role, there was really pivotal milestones that I went through, um, you know, as well as just, you know, her giving me the permission to go out there and do what I do, you know, and she was always fiercely encouraging of me and, um, you know, really appreciated what I was able to do and how productive I was and how much I got done. Um, and yeah, it was just a really nice, nice experience, you know, that felt, I don't know, I guess I felt like a proper grown up in that role. Um, you know, my first 8A role, um, my only 8A role now, because I'm self-employed now. So um, yeah, just useful stuff. So thank you. You know who you are. Um, and then there was someone else in the team as well, who I've kept as a friend from there. Um, and I know she'll be happy with me name checking her because she listened to an episode recently. Um, and that's Jane and she's a CBT therapist. And we shared some really important experiences as well, thinking about grief and parenting and, you know, being in a relationship. And um, we've never worked together clinically, actually. I don't think we've ever been in the same room. Oh, yes, we have a couple of times. And that was a joy, an absolute joy to be working with Jane. Um, both of us loved it loved it we would have been working together a couple of more times as well but the patients didn't turn up because that does happen sometimes um but yeah we loved it it was so nice being able to you know work together therapeutically but um yeah just really nice to be you know to have a friend that is at work she's got girls um who are a bit younger than me but they're all adults and so it was really nice just to have a friend from a you know a different generation, you know, thinking about intergenerational relationships. That's something that I wrote about for the press recently as well, and the power and the importance of that. And last but not least, dear listener, is you, um, the incredible people that I've met along my psychology career includes you. You know, I really love being part of your experience and I really adore it when you tell me how useful it is because it keeps me doing what I'm doing you know when I'm recording this I'm speaking to you um it's a personal connected relationship that's how it feels to me and you trusting me to help shape and guide you is lovely so if you think about me as one of the good guys that's really nice that's really nice. It's a real privilege. It's a real honour. But I like learning from you as well. I like hearing what resonates with you. Even stuff you don't like. I'd like to know that too. Helps me do things better. Um, so yeah, it's just been the best experiences, you know, creating the Clinical Psychologist Collective book, creating this podcast series, the Aspiring Psychologist podcast, and, um, you know, the Aspiring Psychologist book as well that's coming up. It's just been really nice hearing from so many of you and getting to know so many of you, especially in the Aspiring Psychologist membership. And I'm aware this, like, especially with the review of the 30 episodes so far, and this one, it sounds like I'm saying goodbye to the series and I'm not. There's no plans to stop the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. 
Right. Um, I am going to pause this. I'm not going to pause it. I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I'm going to stop that here. But thank you for listening. Um, do let me know anyone that you've had important, resonant connections with. Get journaling. Get doing your gratitude um, practices. Um, see what happens. Get your reflective journal out. Um, and I will look forward to catching up with you again next week, Monday, 6 a.m. From then, don't don't set your alarm for it. You know, if you're sleeping, stay asleep. Um, I will be there for you when you wake and when you have the headspace to listen. But yeah, do the good things. Rate, review, listen, enjoy tag me on socials. If you enjoy an episode, tag me, share it. I'd love it. Um, Right. Be kind to you. I still haven't had my lunch yet. I'm going to. Um, Look forward to catching up with you very soon. Bye. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being Inspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent My name is Diakolola Amujo I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.